0: So we've been on a series about offense. And the basis for this series comes from Psalm 119, verse 165, in which it says, you should be able to repeat it to me, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. The verse that should change your life, change your life. Go ahead and kick the lights up a little more. That verse should change your life. And we've, talked, we've been doing this seven weeks, I believe now. It's all just sort of flowing together, but seven weeks, I believe, is where we're at. And uh, we talked about the process of an offense. So if you haven't been here, I'm going to review, so grab onto this truth. Let it change your life before we get into what we're going to talk about today. But when you are offended, which means that you have to pick it up, it's not something that anyone can do to you. They can be offensive. We know lots of people that are offensive, but they can't offend you. The only way that you can be offended is if you pick up that offense. And what did we say the process to an offense is? Is that oftentimes we nurse it because it feels good to nurse an offense. Oh, that person did this, and we just think about it a lot, and we nurse it. And then it goes beyond that because that becomes boring because that's just... Yeah, it can just become boring pretty quickly. And so what do we do after we nurse it a little bit is that we rehearse it. We start to think about it all the time. It starts to consume our life. It starts to distract us from daily life. Maybe you dream about it. Maybe you think about it all the time. And you're rehearsing it, rehearsing it, rehearsing it. And what I found is when you rehearse an offense, it actually gets more intense. You go away from what offended you and it becomes more intense because the enemy gets in. Okay, And then once you've rehearsed it, rehearsed it, rehearsed it, the Lord says in Luke 17, you shouldn't do this, and that is to disperse it. The poison of that offense now goes and affects other people. And so we've talked about those three things and how the process of offense can make us fruitless in the kingdom. That when you are offended, you are fruitless. You cannot produce. We, we talked about Michael, uh, David's wife, Saul's daughter, who was offended at David for dancing in his undergarments in the street. And she was barren the rest of her days. We live barren lives when we are offended. It doesn't matter where we are or who offends us. Immediately when we pick up offense, we become barren in our lives. And so we've talked about how the church is supposed to be this clean bride waiting for the bridegroom and, and, you know, a lot of people believe that we're going to get sucked out of here before anything happens. I don't care about your eschatology this morning. What I want to say is we are here to be pure and fruitful. What was the first commandment in scripture that that Jesus gave? Go over there. My favorite book of the Bible, Genesis 1, favorite chapter. What does it say? I wasn't going to go here, but it's too good to not go here. What does it say in verse 28? Well, let's go to 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right there, first chapter of the book. The the constitution for our lives says male and female. Just saying. Verse 28. Then God blessed them. So he blessed mankind. Okay? Oftentimes we hear the rest of it. Go, therefore, and multiply, right? We hear that. Multiply, multiply, multiply. But let's break down this verse real quick. First came the blessing. So if you're walking around not feeling blessed this morning, you're missing what he already did for you. He's already blessed you. You are blessed beyond measure this morning. You can't even contain the blessing that he has over your life. There is no container that can contain what he's already spoken over you for your success. It says, first he blessed them. Then he requires something of them. And he says, and God said to them, be fruitful. You know, we hear about multiplying all the time in the natural and in the supernatural. That's always what the young married couples uh, love to gravitate toward, the multiply part. But I want to go back to the fruitful part. Now, we said if you are in offense, you cannot be fruitful Does that mean you're not blessed if you're in offense? No, because he blesses you before he asks anything of you. See, this is where your religious mind gets in the way. We get so caught up in doctrine and end of times ministry and all these prophetic things that we forget about the simple stuff. He blessed you before you did anything. So if you're walking around not feeling blessed, then you're missing the boat because you're probably focused on what you can do for him when he's already done everything that you need him to do for you. So he blessed them and then he said to them, be fruitful, which means we can't be an offense if we're going to actually do this thing. So how many people, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many people in the church in America cannot even walk out the first part of this verse? They want to go multiply. Come on. I'm (laughs) preaching better than you're receiving this morning. They want to go multiply, but they haven't been fruitful. So what are they multiplying? Dysfunction, offense. I'm going to just, Pastor Sean, I remember that night when you said, I'm going to come out of my skin. I'm going to come out of my skin today. We want to multiply because we say, the Lord commanded us to go, therefore, and multiply. Yeah, that's great. We're multiplying dysfunction if we're in offense. And so we're spreading, we're dispersing offense to other people, and we're multiplying the offense to the church. And we're not fruitful. And so what we have to do is we have to get to a point where we can process an offense. We're all gonna pick them up sometimes. We're not Jesus. He lived his whole life on the earth. He had a chance to be offended every single day, and yet he was not, because he didn't have expectations of mankind. Let that go through the room. Because every offense you've ever had is because of missed expectations. But he didn't have expectations of man. And he doesn't have expectations of you. And that makes our religious mind go totally wacky. Because I thought I had to do something to receive something. And that's not at all who he is. He gives it all to you. And then he says, listen, if you receive the blessing, you'll have the anointing to do what I've asked you to do next. That is be fruitful and multiply. We need more people that are fruitful and less people multiplying dysfunction in the church. And then it says, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. If you're not fruitful, you can't multiply good things. And if you can't multiply good things, you can't subdue the earth or have dominion over it. So we wonder why we were just having this discussion that there are a handful of people in our government, and yes, I'm going there. There are a handful of people in our government that are totally hearing what the Lord is saying and doing what he's saying. And there's lots that aren't, and we won't get into all that. But it's our fault. It's our fault. There's a 100 senators. If three of them are doing what we call them to do, then 97 of them need replaced by the church. I know some people don't like the political thing, but it's the truth. It's the truth. If we want to see change in our country, and if we want to have dominion as the church then we got to go to all seven mountains and take care of business. So we nurse it, we rehearse it, we can disperse it, and when we disperse it, we now populate a bunch of junk among people. And remember what I said in week two or three, that the restoration of that is as broad as the offense. And so if you have an offense and you've nursed it, rehearsed it, and now you disperse it, you are responsible to actually fix all of what happens in the ripple effect of that. So if I say it to my wife, or if I say it to someone else and then they go tell someone at work and then that person at work tells someone else at work and then it goes all around the office, I'm responsible to go fix all that. The the moan goes around the room. That's what the Lord says. Did we not read Matthew 18? How we fix things. And so we have a lot of dysfunction producing a lot more dysfunction because it's multiplying dysfunction. It's not adding. You know, I like it when I look at the portfolio and it's multiplied instead of just added. Like, I like multiplication better than addition. And he says that if you're going to actually be fruitful, then I want you to go multiply, exponentially grow, and then take dominion over what I've given you. And it says that the heavens are the Lord's and the earth he has given to man. He's not stepping in here without your authority. So how are you using it? Many people walk the earth offended and they do not even understand the intensity of that offense and how it affects their lack of fruitfulness. It is, a, it is one of the keys that the enemy uses. And it's not just an offense that is, oh, I picked up that offense because pastor said something or this person did something or whatever. It's not that. It's a spirit, people. It's a spirit of offense that comes on you and threatens your destiny, and it's intense. So we talked about the trap stick, and I, it's somewhere around here, but... We talked about the trap stick and and the mouse trap and that the offense is actually what holds back the bar that will kill you, remember? um, If you haven't been here, you can watch the videos, but the trap stick is the offense that is the trigger to the actual arm that will snap your neck. And so even though in your garage, you set the traps and then you hear the, and then you hear the, and then it stops and you're like, yes, I got one. The enemy's looking into the church and he's waiting to hear the snap. Because if he gets one of you, the destiny and the damage that you're supposed to cause to his kingdom will no longer happen. So he's waiting to hear the, in the church. So offense is the trap stick that holds the bar back, but what is the bar? What actually kills us? The unforgiveness, the bitterness, the, the things that actually poison our soul. Poison our soul. So many believers have become defiled in unfruitfulness and unforgiveness because they've harbored offense at something that maybe didn't even matter. Because we know that there's three types of offense. There's the imaginary offense, the one that you just made up in your mind and got offended at somebody and they don't even know. There's the accidental offense where someone does something or says something and you took it a completely different way and got offended. They don't even know they offended you. And those first two ways, you're, you have to deal with because it's not about the other person. And so you have to process those yourself and you have to humble yourself and say, that was imaginary. Pastor didn't say that. Or maybe I said it and it was accidental that it actually flipped your trigger and you got offended. And the third way is actual deliberate offense. And many people during Jesus' life deliberately tried to offend him. And because he didn't have expectation of man, he never picked it up. And that's our call. So last week, that was a good review, right? So last week, last week, we talked about Jesus walking the earth and the times that he could have got offended and that he wasn't offended. And if you missed it, go back and watch it because I think it was pretty good. But Jesus did not get offended at man because he was so focused on the Father. And so that's the first key. Your biggest key to defense against an offense is to be focused on the king and your assignment. But offenses, Jesus says in Luke 17, verse 1 and 2, offenses will surely come to you. And what happens if you pick one up? How many of you have done the homework You don't have to raise your hand. It was discouraging last week, so I don't want to look out there. (laughs) So, the first part of the homework was God, how am I offended at you? Or am I offended at you? Or maybe I'm not, but I'm at least gonna ask the question. Secondly, who am I offended with and why? Many of you probably had a list, which means at some point or another, you picked up an offense. Have we all picked up an offense? Probably. And the third one was, Show me who I am when I'm not offended. Probably the most powerful question. When the Lord actually reveals to you what you're like when you're not snippy at other people. When you're not holding grudges against other people. When you're not speaking negatively about other people because you're offended at them. And he shows you that picture. That's who he sees you as. And so many of you, I know I've gotten text messages, many of you have seen the revelation of what the Lord wants you to look like. Some of you have gotten rid of the offenses, and some of you have not, but that's why we're here today. So, my question this morning is How do we position ourselves if we are offended and we pick something up that maybe we shouldn't? In fact, I had one this week that I can't tell you the circumstance. But let me tell you this that when the Lord brought it to me, I said, There's no way I'm offended at that. How many of you have had that conversation with the Lord? I can't be offended at that person. I like that person. I love that person. I'm totally, it's totally awesome. And then the Lord said, No, you're offended. I said, at what? At something you heard about them. But Lord, I didn't even give that a second in my mind. I thought, that's crazy. And he said, yep, but it stuck. The enemy can use one little, little, little comment and you don't even know it's in there until the Lord says, it's there and what are you going to do about it? So I had to reach out to that person and I had to say, listen, There's some stuff that I'm processing that the Lord has revealed to me that I need to talk to you about. If it happens to me, I am positive it happens to you. So my question is, do you have an open heart to allow the Lord to speak truth to you to then allow him to say, I need to adjust some things in your attitude." If you do, he'll change you. If you don't, you'll remain the same and walk around with a fence that you don't even know about and give a pathway for the enemy to come in and challenge you about your destiny and hold you up and distract you from what you're called to do. So it wasn't five minutes after he said that. I had already shot the text off. I'm not looking for praise. I don't care about all that. I'm telling you that if you don't do it now, it's going to rest on you for more. And I went and had the most amazing meeting after that and I said to the Lord when I got back in the truck after the meeting I said what would that meeting have looked like if I didn't get that out and he said unfruitful so let's go to Luke 17 now I know many of you have read this chapter there is a parallel chapter by the way which we'll get to later But you've read this chapter, and maybe your Bible has a heading in which it says, Jesus warns of offenses. Now, the interesting thing about this is it's the whole chapter. It's not just verse 1 through 4. So we're going to read this chapter together, and I'm going to highlight what Jesus is actually saying. I'm going to skip a little part, but you can go back and read it later. We just don't have time. So we know the first two Two verses, we've read them over and over and over. Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they come. Why? Because now you've offended more people, and now there's a lot more that needs to be accounted for. But it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and that he were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones or less mature ones. Not talking about the little kids running around here. Don't offend them either but the less mature ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sin against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Now, remember I said last week, the disciples were told, go therefore and heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and do all that stuff. And they never asked him for anything. They just said, sweet, we're gonna go do this. But when he says forgive somebody seven times, This is what they said. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. We can't handle forgiving seven times, but we can handle going out and casting out demons and all that. Why? Expectation of man. Okay? So the Lord said, and we did this a couple weeks ago, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, we know we have Jesus' faith in us. We read that in, in the scriptures. Okay. Verse 20 now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come he answered them and said the king now remember everyone he's not talking about the end times here he's talking about a fence so take all your theology about the end times and lay it down on the chair beside you and hear what I'm about to say he answered them and said the kingdom of God does not come with observation Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So if you're a believer today, he's speaking to his disciples who, yes. If you're a believer today, the kingdom of God is in you. So I love that we pray that the kingdom would come, right? The kingdom comes when you let it out. And so when we have churches that are silent, The kingdom of God is resting in you, but it's not uniting in the room and actually creating an atmosphere. So that's why we say worship is so important that we open our mouth and actually do something. Maybe whenever the pastor says, hey, let's just talk to the Lord this morning, you realize you're letting the kingdom out so that it can unite in the room and we can actually have a glory cloud in this place. So then he said to his disciples, these days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here, look there, do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. Okay, now, he's not talking, just, it's about a fence. Can we just leave it at that? This, is, this whole chapter is about a fence, even though it's not going to seem like it. It is but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation and as it was in the days of noah what was in the days of noah why would jesus take us all the way back to noah about a fence why would he mention noah when he's talking about a fence What was in the days of of Noah? So it will be in the days of the Son of Man. So what can we expect? They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the floods came and destroyed them all. My question is, why would he bring that to our thoughts when he's talking about offense? He didn't talk about all the negative stuff that was going on in Noah's day. He talked about the positive stuff that was going on. It didn't matter that they drank and they got married and all that stuff was going on. That was all just normal of the day. He didn't talk about the debauchery stuff that was happening. No, no, he talked about the good stuff. And you know what he said? In the days of Noah, remember not to be offended because that's what the whole chapter's about, right? So what are we supposed to not be offended about? Noah building this boat had a lot to be offended about. Even the good things. There were only so many righteous in the day and God showed us how many. They all got on the ark. The rest of them were all drowned. So there must have been a lot of negative stuff, but why didn't he mention the negative stuff in here? Because you should know not to be offended at that because we're not in that. But you could be offended at the good stuff and it still keep you from your destiny. You see, Noah would not have been fruitful at building the ark if he was offended at his culture because why would you build the ark to save something that you're offended with? Why would you build a safety vessel for even the good things if you're offended with them? You wouldn't. That would be crazy. So in the end, when the end times come, do not be offended even with the good things. Remember Noah. We have to remember that offense will always stop our destiny, but it will always stop our inheritance. If he was offended and he didn't build the boat, it would have stopped the inheritance. How many of you have been offended about one thing or another and missed out or delayed the inheritance that God has for you and your family? It can happen. So, let's keep reading. Verse 28. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. Now, when we hear the word Lot, when we hear his name, we think of two cities right? Sodom and Gomorrah. So we know, if you go back to Genesis 19, what was really going on there. <laughs> and, uh, and so he brings up Noah and all the good things that Noah had going on around him and said, don't be offended, stay on task, which is what Jesus did, right? Do not be offended, stay on task. So he said, remember Noah, he wasn't offended, he stayed on task. Now he brings up Lot. Why do we have to remember Lot in the end days? By the way, they're all red, so this means Jesus is talking. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, and they planted, and they built. How many of you have eaten today? How many of you have drank today? Maybe you haven't bought or sold yet today, but maybe you have. They planted and they built. What is wrong with that in the days of Lot? Nothing. He didn't mention all the stuff that we know was going on in the city. My word, what Lot did when the angels came? Crazy. Crazy but on that day that Lot went out of Sodom it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all sort of like the flood right even so will it be in the day when the son of man is revealed in that day he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house let him not come down to take them away and likewise the one who is in the field let him not turn back underline that in your Bible that it will not that they will not turn back offense will always take your attention to the rearview mirror instead of the windshield offense will always take you to the rearview mirror to look instead of out the windshield and that normally causes accidents now verse 32 remember lots wife What did Lot's wife do that made her a pillar of salt? She looked back. Why would Jesus say, remember Lot's wife? If it wasn't to show us in the chapter that was written in red about offense, why would he say, remember Lot's wife, other than to say she was offended and turned around and was distracted and lost her inheritance and her destiny because she was offended? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. When you are offended, you are looking in the rearview mirror, and some people's rearview mirror is bigger than their windshield. That's dangerous. Because we're always moving forward. And so the the hours, the minutes, the days, we're moving forward, whether you like it or not. We're moving forward. And so if your rearview mirror is bigger than your windshield and you're focused there, you're probably going to have an accident. You'll probably run smack into unforgiveness. You'll probably run smack into bitterness. Okay, now this is where all of us that love end time prophecy and ministry, you gotta lay it down because I'm not talking about end times here, okay? So just surrender that to me because that's not what this scripture's about. We're gonna go on to 34. I tell you in the night, there will be two men in one bed and one be taken and the other be left. Two women will be grinding together and one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in a field, the one will be taken and the other will be left. Why would Jesus say this when he's talking about Offense hang on, this is a a doozy. Because he's highlighting to us that the Lord is the ultimate judge. He will choose. He will judge every single time. But we miss our destiny because we try to take on his position. I'll say it again. We miss our destiny because we try to take on God's position and be the judge. And so he's saying, do not be offended. You will have lots of ways to be offended, disciples. Do not be offended. And you know what? If you are spreading offense, you know, tie the thing around your neck and throw it in the ocean. That's not a good deal. But do not be offended and do not take my position. And so not only do we as believers have to have our defenses up about how we look at offense and not picking it up, we also have to look about how we actually view the other person because if we're viewing them in judgment, we're out of our role and we'll remain offended. And so I I believe that the Lord is saying here that there's gonna be a sifting, there's gonna be a choice, there's gonna be a judgment coming and it's not your role. Because many times judgment Is the beginning of offense. So there's a parallel chapter in Scripture to this one, and it's in Matthew 18. So turn with me to Matthew 18. So what if you're offended? We know how to avoid, we know not to disperse it, we know all that, but God wants to come into our lives and actually take what we have picked up He wants to take it on himself, and he wants to reverse the curse. Otherwise, we're stuck like Michael, and we'll be barren the rest of our lives. That's not what he wants in the new covenant. Amen? Are you happy about the new covenant with better promises? Like, is that a a deal? Are we awake this morning? Like, we should be shouting that we're not stuck barren the rest of our lives because we are in the old covenant. Matthew 18. Interesting that Jesus in Matthew 18 is marrying, and we know what happened in Luke. Maybe they're marrying each other, whatever, but Jesus talks about offense. And he goes through a bunch of parables, but I want to read this one to you. Dealing with a sinning brother, easily to be offended at someone who's sinning against you. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother back. Now, if you are offended, I encourage you to do this verse before you nurse, rehearse, and disperse. That's what Jesus is saying. If you're offended, if you have something legitimate against your brother, then go to him in person and fix it. You see, the problem that has happened is that we immediately begin to nurse offense instead of reversing offense. Why? Because when you nurse offense, it's about you. And it's about me. But when we reverse offense, it's about saying to the enemy, I'm not taking the bait. So as soon as you receive from the Lord that you're offended, or maybe you know it in the natural because it's that big of one. As soon as you receive that, you have to send a text message. <laughs> you have to set up a coffee, and you have to fix it because that's what the Lord wants. Because if you don't, you may lose that brother. Now, it goes on to say how to do it when, you, when that doesn't work. How about that? And you can read the rest of that whole section and enjoy it. But I believe that if we as believers actually put that verse into action, we wouldn't have many of the other ones down below it. We wouldn't need them. We wouldn't need to have the church judge who's right. We wouldn't need to have all that or take people with you to confront the person. We wouldn't need all that if we just had the guts to go and say, I'm offended. This is what happened. I have to get it off me. And in in essence, I'm gonna take it off you as well. We're gonna hand it to the Lord. We're gonna walk on together and do this together. So many people preach this, and I'm totally glad that they preach the whole deal. But I'm just here to tell you that if we did the first verse, we probably wouldn't need the rest of the deal as often. So why is this offense so significant? We don't become fruitful. We can't multiply. We can't have dominion. You see, Abraham walked in the promise, everybody. He walked in the promise of the Lord. But there's one thing he didn't have. We often say, the blessing of Abraham rests on me because I am the seed and his blessing rests on me. Yeah, that's true. There's one thing that Abraham didn't have that we have access to and that is he, he walked in the promise of the Lord but he didn't have dominion. I'll let that wash through the room. We hold Abraham up to be this great guy. He was. I'm not debating any of that. But what I'm saying is, he walked in the promise of God, but he didn't have the dominion of God. The person who showed us the example of that was Jesus, who walked in the promise of the Father and had dominion over the earth. Abraham didn't have that. He only had one piece of the puzzle. So, when it's so good to talk about the Abrahamic covenant and all that, I want to do it. It's all in there, it's good stuff. I want to be in the Jesus covenant. I want to be in the one where he walks in the will of the Father and he walks in dominion on the earth. And if we're walking in the path of the Father and offenses come, what will they do if we let them attach to us? They will turn us back away from that and we will lose dominion. Now, I want you to take stock in your own life this morning. In your own life, write it down. Get out your notebook. You've been writing notes for seven weeks. Get out your notebook. I want you to write this down. Do I have the dominion that Jesus promised in Scripture? You see, we talk about reading our Bible every day. We talk about Holy Spirit encounters. We talk about uh, healthy relationships. We talk about influence in the world. Well, there it is. How far are you up to the summit? Do you have influence in the world? Do you have dominion over things in your life? Or are you tossed to and fro as the wind blows? We are called to eliminate distractions in our lives and to walk in the path of the Father, what he's called us to do, our destiny. But doing that with dominion You see, if we are so, and I said this a few weeks ago, I believe there's more churches on the planet today that are living in the Old Testament covenant than are living in the new, and we know that because there's no dominion. They may be walking in the path, but they have no power. And as you heard in the prophetic word, we're supposed to have both here at the summit. So, the devil will lay landmines and try to ambush you with offense every single day. But it's just a distraction from the kingdom. One last point. Where did Jesus say to the disciples in the first verse that I read? Where did he say the kingdom is? So, when you're offended, where's your focus? He's distracting you from the power that you possess and the dominion that you have within you to take your focus to someone else who offended you and now you don't walk in the fullness of who you really are. So offense is not just this thing that we get offended with somebody and we can be like, oh, that's just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No 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 you realize when the enemy comes to you and you hear that the you hear that it the trap is there and you smell the cheese you have to understand that the enemy is trying to get you to take your focus off of what God put in you to everything around you and you cannot have dominion in your life. And so there's many people that have been offended and they've left that door open. We know doors are important. And so they've left that door open of offense. Maybe it's been five minutes. Maybe it's been, hopefully not five minutes because I'm the only one here that could offend you (laughs) for the last five minutes. So hopefully not. But it could be five minutes or it could be 50 years. You realize there's people walking around this city that were molested when they were four years old by their uncle. You don't want me to go here? It was pretty quiet when I said that. There are people that are walking around right now and they have never forgiven him. They've never handed anything over. They live in that place of abuse for the last 50 years. And they've never been fruitful. They've never had dominion over their life. Everything that comes at them takes advantage of them. I'm not being rude. I'm saying this is really happening. But you know what would solve that? If they understand the last few verses of Luke 17, that God is the ultimate judge. And he says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so, when you actually take that hurt and brokenness that has led you to be obese or that has led you to be drug addicted or whatever, and you've not only welcomed the spirit of offense, but you've welcomed the spirit of all that other stuff in your life, you've allowed the enemy to come in and wreak havoc on you. When you give it over to the Lord and you say, I know you're the judge, you're the rightful judge, and you're going to have vengeance. And if this was against me, you know what? You're going to repay me. The enemy has to repay me for what he's taken but I've left the door open and he's come in and stolen some things in my life and I don't want him to steal them anymore so I'm going to hand that over right now to you Lord because you're a good judge and you're going to have vengeance and I don't have to worry about it because you don't know that that uncle might have been living in the worst hell on earth for the last 50 years you don't know that but you've been living in your own so let's take care of your own so let's turn him over to the Lord let the Lord have vengeance and I can tell you that when you do that maybe some of you need to do that this morning When you do that, there's freedom that comes and there's healing that comes. Did you know that most of the healing that takes place in our services is just because people have welcomed demons into their life that torment them and wreak havoc on them and when they actually get rid of that stuff, they become healed in their bodies? Offense is the open door that sets you up to miss your destiny, to lose your dominion, and to be taken over by the enemy. And I believe that in this hour, the Lord wants to reverse that curse today. So if you've been living your life and you feel like you're OOC, not OCD, OOC, out of control, you can't stop what comes at you, everybody takes advantage of you, Things in your life are are just crazy. You can't kick the addiction. You can't walk away from all that stuff. It just continues to come back and continues to come back. My question for you this morning is, is the door open? Is there a door open in your life that you need to shut this morning and begin your healing and take back dominion? Would you stand with me? Matthew six thirty three, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Many things that we desire will be added to us if we keep our focus on what He's put in us, not what's around us. So as Robbie plays, I want you to create an altar right where you're at. Because there's some people in the room right now that have allowed the door to be open in their life through offenses that they have carried. And the Lord's asking, do you want to shut the door this morning? Clear out the mess and start to see not only walking in the path of the Lord, but having dominion. That's the call today. That's the call today. So I'm going to pray. We're going to just worship the Lord as he he plays. And we're going to let the Lord do some work this morning thank you lord thank you lord father today reveal truth to every person eliminate the lies of the enemy and reverse the curse thank you lord If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.